Good evening, ghouls and ghoulettes, and welcome to Killer Horror Critic, the podcast worth dying for. Hosted by the Killer Horror Critic himself, this is the show where guests from all over the horror spectrum join to talk about some of their favorite horror films. So get snugged under the covers, grab a cuddly puppy, and prepare for tonight's blood-curdling episode of Killer Horror Critic. Good evening, horror fans. Welcome to another episode of Killer Horror Critic. I'm your host, Matt. And I'm Chris. And this is a podcast where my wife and I critique and argue over horror films and a couple of drinks at the bars. So maybe never learn anything. Maybe we never blow your mind. Maybe we never make you scream for a third time. <laughs> but hopefully you just have a good time listening. Yes, I'm a dork. Uh, so... <laughs> So tonight we are continuing our discussion on the Scream franchise with, of course, Scream 3, what? which came out in 2000. Uh, so this was a film directed by Wes Craven, who, as you know, through this month, I've been just trying to name every fucking film he's ever done. So <laughs> <laughs> so this time I want to mention uh, Swamp Thing, which I think is kind oh of <laughs> an overlooked Craven movie. I mean, look, is it the best Swamp Thing property out there no but it's it's fun plus adrian mabro you know so it's something uh you don't even know uh so anyway <laughs> so swamp thing uh, he also did vampire in brooklyn with eddie murphy which i think is a little overlooked too it's a fun film again not yeah. one of his best but it's fun uh also did the movie my soul to take yeah. uh, which which was actually one of the first horror movies chris ever mentioned to me because she had just Watched it a bunch of times, I think, when we were dating, or when we first started dating. So. I, was, I was very obsessed with it when it came out, and then I completely forgot about it. Yeah, well, I, you and most people. Uh, but I still... I, still I want to rewatch it. I still remember... You know, it's Wes Craven, so like, you, even at his worst, it's still entertaining. So. Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, so it was directed by Craven, of course. Uh, miss him. Rest, rest in peace, Craven. Uh, but it was written by Aaron Kruger, so Kevin Williamson did not return for this, although he did... Aww. He did outline uh, basically uh, a draft or, or a treatment essentially for the film. And then it, Kruger kind of came in and did his own thing. And Craven thought that a lot of the characters didn't really fit what they were before. <laughs> so then he did a bunch of rewrites. So, you know, that right, right from the get-go kind of explains why Scream 3 is maybe a little bit more of a mess than the first two. <laughs> it definitely explains some things. But, uh, but Kruger is, st is still a good writer. You know, he did uh, the Rain remake, which was very popular here and kicked off the whole J-horror trend in the States. Uh, he also did The Skeleton Key, which was a really popular movie at the time, uh, amongst a bunch of others. So, uh, And then Scream 3 essentially involves Sidney Prescott, once again returning, uh, played by Nev Campbell, and she and David Arquette as Dewey, and... Courtney Cox's Gale, they're all back again. And essentially, there's a new stab movie <laughs> being filmed in Hollywood, and some and someone begins killing off the characters in the order they die in the script. So through a matter of circumstances, uh <laughs> Dewey, Gale, and Sydney are all brought back in one way or another uh to find the killer once one last time, so to speak. <laughs> uh so we are going to spoil the hell out of Scream 3. So if you've never seen it, do you recommend you check it out beforehand? Uh, I don't recall it streaming anywhere, but if it is, check it out there. Otherwise, it's I think it's worth the rental. You know, a lot yeah. of people, a lot of people will act like Scream Three 
doesn't exist, or they say it's the worst uh, one in the franchise. But with, when it comes to Scream, I say, just like with Craven's work, even at Scream's worst, it is still great. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's still fun. Uh, so Scream 3 is still a ton of fun. Uh, but before we get into spoilers, we have our usual spoiler-free content. So first up, uh, releases for this week. So not a whole lot to be super excited about, but I am kind of curious about some of these. So... Uh, first up is a film called The Requin, and this is a film that comes to VOD on the 28th. And essentially it stars Alicia Silverstone as a woman who, if I recall correctly, they're like staying uh, at some kind of beach house out on the water, right? And in the middle of a storm, she and her, I think, fiancé, uh, the house gets broken off and ends up floating out into the ocean. I'm sorry, and what? It, oh, yeah, it's insane. <laughs> Uh, it ends up floating out to the ocean and then they discover they're being stalked by like sharks and whatnot. I think the movie looks great. I think it looks like a really fun shark film. If you're in that kind of stuff, uh, the, co- the concept I think is really cool. Okay. Um, all of that sounds amazing, but I just keep having flashbacks to that Simpsons episode where they're doing some reality show where they're like old timey folks and it's not interesting enough. So they just pick the house up and throw them in a goddamn river. I mean, sure, kind of like that, <laughs> which is why I think it's such a cool concept because you've never really seen anything quite yeah. like this with the shark film before. So anyway, uh, so that looks interesting. That's out on the 28th. And then the other two, you know, there's not a lot of films I'm really excited about releasing this week, but there are some series that look fun. So uh, first up is one is the All of Us Are Dead series, which is coming to Netflix on the 28th. And so this is a Korean series, a South Korean series that essentially pits high schoolers against zombies so from Ooh. what i understand it involves kids actually like in the high school building as a zombie apocalypse happens and then it's awesome I think, mostly set there if i recall correctly so uh so yeah no it looks like a lot of fun i, I haven't seen either of these yet uh i've been knee deep in sundance <laughs> uh, this entire past week so i haven't had time to catch up on screeners but and whatnot but uh but so so there's that and then last series or and then lastly there's a series called The Woman in the House Across the Street from the Girl in the Window. What <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> it, it's, to- it's totally a, a spoof series that stars uh, Kristen Bell, and it's kind of like a play on Rear Window where she's this woman who believes she witnesses a murder across the street, and then it's just like, it, it really just seems like a total Hitchcockian spoof, essentially. Mm-hmm. But it looks like a blast. It comes to Netflix on the 28th as well. And it's something I personally can't wait to watch. It looks perfect for Kristen Bell, and it just has that really great, like, sort of dark humor kind of touch to it. So Yeah, you had me at Kristen Bell. I'm in. I don't yeah. even care what it is. Yeah, no. So so that looks like a blast. Uh, so, so you know, you, you should have some fun shows to binge yeah. this weekend, hopefully. Those are releases for the week. And then one last thing we'd like to do before getting the spoilers here is kind of the tagline versus the film and what we think of Scream 3 overall. So the tagline for Scream 3 was... The most terrifying scream is always the last. Welcome to the final act. (laughs) So what do you think of the tagline? What do you think of Scream 3 overall? Am I crazy for thinking that tagline's kind of clever? Uh, I don't really think it's that clever, but I I think it's fun. I like it. Look, I think that it kind of fits for for this movie. And look, I love Scream 3. But I love Scream 3 for the same reasons that I love a lot of Friday the 13th movies. This is the one where the shit just goes off the rails a little bit. It's super bonkers. Not super bonkers, but it's a little bit more funny and like everybody's a little bit crazier. And mm. so I just really like it. And I'm low-key obsessed with Parker Posey, who plays uh, Jennifer in this. And so she kind of makes this movie for me. 
I mean, she does. No, Parker Posey's absolutely amazing. I love her. I'm obsessed. (laughs) Like, she's fucking fantastic in Scream 3. So, no, I I mean, yeah, the the tagline's fine. I think I always find the irony in these quote-unquote last chapter taglines because inevitably in the horror genre, there's always another one at some point. They're a fucking lie. So so I, I love going back and looking at these old posters where it's like, welcome to the final act. It's like, okay, bullshit. We know we're all coming back in a few years. You know? yep. uh, in Scream's case, I think it took like 10 years until we got Scream 4, but you know, so, so a little longer than usual uh, mm. hibernation, but it did happen eventually. Uh, and now, of course, we have Scream 5, but or or Scream uh, to 2022, as, as it's called. Uh, <laughs> Scream 5. But no, yeah, look, I, I think Scream 3 is a blast, you know? It's, it's a film that I, I've always tried to defend when I can, which is basically anytime anyone talks about Scream, <laughs> because so many people... Uh, dislike this movie or or if or if not dislike definitely rank it at like the bottom of the franchise even with the fifth one out uh which i have feelings on but (laughs) but 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 and look to their credit i get it like scream 3 is a mess uh it, it it was it went through Maybe production hell isn't quite the right word because, you know, that that's something like Alien 3 where, like, literally everything went wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but with Scream 3, it was a situation where, like, you know, the, the script really wasn't ready by the time they started shooting. <laughs> and so they, you know, it, it's really fun, actually, to listen to the commentary on this film because Wes and, and the producers are just constantly talking about, like, things that they weren't even prepared to shoot that day and that ended up being what they shot and... And, you know, and they were doing rewrites, like, on set. And there's a line where the character Sarah Darling, played by Jenny McCarthy, is uh, commenting to to uh, Roman, played by Scott Foley, the director. And he and she basically is, like, complaining about how, you know, how am I supposed to learn my lines when we get new pages every fucking 15 minutes or so? And that was pretty much a comment, like, on what was <laughs> happening on set because that was actually what was going on is all these actors were getting pages, like, the day of and stuff. So. <laughs> Look, that just makes me love this movie more. Yeah, no, it, well, <laughs> it's it's endearing in that sense, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess for me, any movie that, like, is just chaos incarnate as it's trying to, like, trying really hard to put something together, I don't know, it just it just makes me root for it more. Oh, oh, ca- chaos should have been the tagline for this film. Just chaos. Just yes. pure fucking chaos <laughs> is Scream 3. Uh, but no, but look, so so my thing with this is, like, you know, is it the strongest Scream film? No. no. I, I think I think it has the, the weakest opening in the entire franchise, including Part 5, by far. You know, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think it's very good, but <laughs> uh, especially when you're comparing to those first two films, yeah. you know, this is like a total dud uh, in comparison <laughs> to those openings. Um, you know, talk about going from a scream to a whimper, right? But, um, but <laughs> so it, it's it's weak in some areas, but the thing that, I, that does endear me to Scream 3 is that you know, I, I talked about in one of the episodes this month, the, the first or the second film, uh, about franchises and kind of when they typically find their identity. But as much as, much as people would hate to admit this because the first two films are so good, mm-hmm. um, look, let's be honest, Scream 3 is where this franchise kind of found its ultimate identity. And what I mean by that is that after Scream 3, like, let's take a very honest look, okay, at Scream 3, 4, and 5. They're all fucking bonkers. Like they're yes. like they're completely ridiculous. They're they're funnier than they are scary, right? Mm-hmm. And and whereas the first two films are a lot more sadistic, they're a lot more violent. They still have 
you know, that scream sort of sense of humor. And they all like every one of them has that uh, kind of touch of cleverness and commentary on the industry and our society. Right. But mm-hmm. uh, but those first two are a lot more frightening and sadistic and you know just like true true horror Mm -hmm. and these last three films are very much like we're just gonna have fun now and and so so in that sense i do think screen three in a sense is kind of where it found its identity you know the same thing happened the nightmare on elm street franchise you know the first two are a lot uh scarier and darker and maybe some won't call part two scary i think it is though i think it's a lot darker of a film Mm -hmm. uh and then we got part three and Freddy Krueger turned into a fucking rock star. And then, (laughs) you know, the rest of the franchise was just batshit off the wall comedy. Right. And and that worked. I love the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, but yeah. Yeah. Look, I always love that. Again, that's why for me, I, you know, describe this one akin to like the Friday the 13th. Anytime a movie franchise. Another great example of that, by the way. Yes. I, I Friday the lo- 13th was like 3D and, <laughs> you know, fucking the title coming out of mom's eyes and shit. Like It was amazing. Part part three. Like, look, if your horror franchise makes it to part three, that's where things go off the rails. Yes. For, for better or worse. <laughs> for better or worse. If you, can, if you can have things go off the rails but still have people love it then your franchise is good. It's golden. And that's what I feel like we saw with this one. Yes, it's a mess. Yes, it's chaotic. But we all still love it, so we're still showing up for Scream 4 and Scream 5. Right, exactly. Uh, so, so yeah, so I, I'm going to be talking about, like, the mess that was this movie all throughout, <laughs> probably. But... I'm so excited <laughs> to hear about it. Uh, but so, so we are going to move into spoiler territory now. So, again, if you have not seen it, Please go do so. You know, we don't want to spoil this for you, especially not a Scream film. You know, nobody yeah. wants to spoil a Scream film for you. No. That's, that's just rude, you know? So, <laughs> uh, but so go check it out there. Again, well worth renting, we think. Yes. Some would disagree. <gasps> I think it's worth renting. Uh, but Or we think it's worth renting. Uh, but all right, so we're moving to sports territory now. And, and I also want to make a quick note, too, uh, for our listeners who have been with us for a while. We just got new audio equipment, so hopefully we sound better. Yeah. And uh, we're going to be tinkering with this for a couple of weeks. So hopefully, you know, this all turns out okay. But I'm just <laughs> I'm just letting you know in case there are any issues with this episode. <laughs> uh, but it should all be better now. But anyway, all right, spoilers. Spoilers territory. So let's, let, let's start with the elephant in the room on this... <laughs> on this sequel and just go straight to the fact that you know kevin williamson the genius behind the first two screams uh did not return to write this and that from what i understand that's due to scheduling issues you know because of course after he did scream and scream 2 the guy became uh, a a huge success and Mm -hmm. was working on a ton of projects i think around the time that he was needed for Scream 3, he was doing, like, Halloween H2O and The Faculty and Dawson's Creek. And, you know, he was a busy dude, okay? So he, right. didn't, he didn't have time to do the third film in <laughs> in a franchise. In what got him started? Well, yes, but, you know, most people <laughs> like to move on from <laughs> their franchise that got them started. You should hear Clive Barker talk about Hellraiser. He fucking hates that movie. <laughs> but, you know, so, so Kevin Williamson did not return, and we got Aaron Kruger instead. So... My first thing that I just want to get into is, like, how different to you is Scream 3 to those first two with Williamson not being around? (laughs) Okay, so this is where there is a slight benefit of the fact that I am a bit of a (laughs) dum-dum. So for me with Scream 3, you can definitely tell that there's a difference because Scream 3 kind of loses some of some of that heart that you get in the first two. Oh, there's a huge difference. (laughs) 
You get there's a slight difference. <laughs> no, there's, <laughs> slight no, there's a huge difference. <laughs> Look again, Look, I love Scream Three, but I am not. I am not like judging anybody for not loving this movie. You're <laughs> talking to a Friday fan. I understand that, but that, but it, it, just because you're a Friday fan doesn't mean you're like stupid and you can't. <laughs> oh no no. <laughs> It doesn't mean that you're stupid, but I personally am a dumb, dumb Friday fan. So for me, like the the big thing for me that I took away from it was that this was one of those movies where you did lose some of the like really intricate layers that we got with all the previous Screams movies. Like, you know, Scream 1 and 2, we've talked about this, had a lot of commentary on a lot of different things, was really like poking at the industry and the horror industry and everything like that, and that's awesome. And Scream 3 was like, Hey, do you want to give your brain a rest? Cool. No, I don't. I don't see Scream Three like that. So here, here's where I will. I'm at. I I'm think surpri- it still has the heart. No, no, no. You're actually, you're actually knocking it worse than I think I will, which is <laughs> weird to me because I think the film's more of a mess than you do. But like, so, so no. Scream Three. Look, Scream Three is clever. Okay, it, it it is a clever movie. I think Aaron Kruger is a clever writer. You know, again. Sure. No, 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 seriously, again, the, look, Skeleton Key is a great film. It mm-hmm. really is. He's a good writer. The thing is, you know, the, the, the th- why why I think you immediately sense a difference, for one, is that Kevin Williamson, yeah, he, he's the godfather of the franchise. Mm-hmm. He created the characters. He spent all of that time with the characters, you know, so he so he knew those people intimately, right? Yeah. And, 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 and you see a lot of that heart start to come out in part two, you know, and, mm-hmm. and of course, in one as well. Like, you, you really start to get to know these characters better. In, in Scream 3, you know, it's arguable that you don't necessarily get to know them better. There's still that heart, but they, de- but they do feel different. Ultimately, mm. I think that actually plays the film's advantage in a sense, which we'll get to in a bit. But you, you can definitely sense a difference in the characters, but, but more so than anything uh, is the comedic element, right? So, <laughs> so that... Willi- That's definitely Willi- dialed up to eleven. <laughs> Will- Williamson has a much darker edge to him. Yes, you know, like again, like I-, I don't think that I'm exaggerating when I say that Scream One and Scream Two are like, I don't know, they're like pure fucking evil compared to Scream Three, right? Like they, <laughs> <laughs> like they're they're they are sinister as fuck, you know, compared to Scream Three. Mm-hmm. And Scream Three is just kind of like the I don't know the dumb like redheaded stepchild that's like running around the house and and banging its head into the walls because it's stupid as shit right so it's like, yeah the heart is there but yeah, the scre- brains scre- aren't yeah scre- scream three is the kid that like takes the fork and sticks it into the outlet and and Wes Craven the father is like I don't even fucking care like electro- electrocute yourself I don't fucking give a shit just fucking die already oh that's harsh <laughs> okay maybe he didn't think that but. Although, although I will say, again, if you've never listened to Wes's commentary on this film, I recommend it because he is not shy about admitting uh, where the film does not work. <laughs> but no, so, like, okay, look, everyone on the film thought that it was a joke, right? Like, yes. Every, everyone working on the film thought it was kind of a joke. They're proud of it, but it's a joke. <laughs> we love it for uh, that. But we love it for that. But look, yeah, so, you know, I've always, what's always endeared me to Scream 3 and Kruger's script is that you know where where the first two are these very kind of you know for for as comedic as they are in some senses they're very they're very cynical slasher films you know mm-hmm. they're they're very dark i mean look at look at scream 2 where you know it ends and look where we look where we are in that ending like sydney has and spoiler brief spoilers for scream 2 you know, Sydney has lost her boyfriend, yep. and, the, and and you know, and she's realized like I'm going to be tormented for life 
potentially because I'm just out there now for psychos to find me, right? And and then on top of that, you know, the very last shot, which I think we talked about, is you've got Dewey and Gale like riding off together and they're gonna go have their fling, and Sydney just like walks out into the open field by herself, and that's and it's and even though we get somewhat cheery-ish music, you know, the whole thought is like, ah, well, yeah, this yeah, is she's alone. This is Sydney's life now. She's alone and she might be alone for a very long time, you know, because mm. she has to deal now with the trauma of one psychotic boyfriend and two dead boyfriends, you know? So like No, she held out for Detective McDreamy. She did. Good on her. <laughs> she did, technically. But Scream 3 has a much less harder edge to it. I, mm-hmm. I What endears me to it is I've always thought of it kind of like a Scooby-Doo mystery. Yes! <laughs> you know? Especially when you get the stuff with uh, with Gail and Parker Posey, like, roaming around the studio <laughs> lot. And, like, a couple of dorky detectives, right? Yep. Uh, which, by the way, Chris and I geek out every time we watch this movie. Because we both worked at CBS for, like, ten years. And... It, did not realize actually until revisiting this that Scream Three is shot at CBS. It's so cool. Uh, like all, all of those scenes that well, I don't, I can't say all of them for sure, but a lot of the scenes that you see outdoors, like the whole segment with uh, with Randy's videotape and everywhere they are in the studio during that point, that's all at CBS Studios in in uh, Studio City. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so kind of geek out thinking about that, but um, but no. So it's like this Scooby Doo mystery and. You know, it's just it's just it's having fun with the concept. Mm-hmm. And so you do see a huge difference, but I don't know. I, I that, Honestly, that's why I like it. That's why I like Scream 3 is because, you know, the first two are a lot more serious and they're a lot darker. And when you you're suspicious of characters, it's like legitimately, oh, shit, I don't know who I can trust. And Scream 3 is just kind of like, you know what? I'm going to give you an emotional breather from this. Like, mm. we're going to be a little bit silly. We're going to definitely, like, cast suspicion on, like, could Dewey be doing this? Could Gale? And then the movie itself kind of laughs at that notion. Like, it kind of laughs at any of them actually being killers, which I do think ends up making, you know, our reveal of who's doing this at the end a little bit more powerful because we spent the entire movie just being like, look at this bunch of misfits. They're all so fucking stupid. Who who among these could actually be killing anyone? They're right. dum-dums. <laughs> right, no, and, 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 you know, it's funny, you know, so I actually felt validated uh, going through... <laughs> Well, so so I've I, I've referred to this as like a Scooby Doo horror mystery for years, right? And and I'd never actually listened to like you know a lot of the commentaries and special mm. features around the film, and, and I felt validated knowing that like Wes and and uh, Mariana Madalena, who's been a producer on the film on all three first films, uh, that they that they all kind of thought of this <laughs> as like a Scooby Doo movie, you nice. know? So so I was like, oh shit, I I I guess I got that vibe from it. So so if anything, you yeah, know, if that was intentional from Kruger, then he did a great job. You're on so. track. <laughs> Uh, well, not about me. I'm just saying, like, you know, it's just funny because the script is really heavily commentating on the, uh, ironically, what Scream did to horror, you know, because uh, because I've always sort of looked at it like that sort of Scooby-Doo, tongue-in-cheek kind of humor to it. Uh, I've always sort of looked at it as like, look, after Scream came out, you know, we eventually got this whole period of, like, super meta horror films, and and it just got to the point where, like, you know, Scream's intention was to not necessarily make fun of the horror genre, but to challenge it and to, you know, bring it to another level, essentially, kind of resurrect it for the better, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, <laughs> what happens when something's really successful is you get a bunch of copycats, and copycats bring sort of a, 
you know, cold kind of soulless approach to it yeah. uh, without really understanding what the original movie was doing in the first place. And so we ended up getting a lot of this meta horror, which, look, I'm not complaining about meta horror. There's some great meta horror out yeah. there, Cabin in the Woods being one, right? Um, but we got this big, po- this era, essentially, of, like, horror making fun of itself and being super meta. And so Scream 3, to me, you know, was kind of like the ultimate reaction to that of, like, oh, okay, y- you all are going to be out here doing this, and now we're going to come in and show you how it's done, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're gonna we're gonna make a we're gonna make the most meta fucking movie <laughs> that you've ever seen, and we're actually going to make it hilarious and fun and kind of scary at times, you know? So <laughs> yeah, they did do a great job with that. I feel like. You can never out-meta Scream. No matter what movie you're doing, you just... Scream kind of created that genre. Scream, I mean, Scream 3, for fuck's sake, is a movie within a movie within a movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like you definitely get that when you ostensibly have the goddamn twinsy effect of having the actors meet the real-life characters that they're playing while they're in a movie, which just kind of hurts my brain a little bit. I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but there's something about getting like double the Gale with having like Jennifer and Gale running around. So you get Gale who's at like she's returning to her like bitchy 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 phase. Mm-hmm. And then you have Jennifer on top of that which is just mocking Gale as a character. See, I actually disagree about Gale returning to her bitchy 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 phase. Like, she's pretty bitchy in this movie. She's always been bitchy. I know. That's who Gale is, but look <laughs> You know, so this is why this is why I actually think this is genius. All right, mm. so like, you know, I, I don't I don't know how people in general feel about the whole you know meta. They're <laughs> they're all meeting themselves, playing those roles. You know, like I, mm-hmm. I don't know how people in general feel about that. I think it's great though. I love and, it. And and part of the reason is I just think it's so clever because to me, you know, really scream the entire franchise is again about the evolution of survivors right you know mm-hmm. and, and obviously the focus being on sydney and being this you know final girl essentially who is you know we're, we're seeing her after the events and and the trauma and just kind of how that changes her through her life right yeah and so so to me the entire series is a progression of that and scream three i think is the the ultimate sort of uh, meta approach to that where you know, it takes this idea of the changing of ourselves and and sort of does it literally in a sense because you have, you know, what I what I what I see when I watch this is it's not it's not just the comedic aspect of, you know, these people having to meet their counterparts playing them in a film or like the comedy of that or, or any of that stuff. You know, to me, I, I think what stands out the most is that uh, is that I do feel like speaking of Gail, you know, I, I do feel like these characters are all still trying to find themselves in the third film. Yeah. And they're all still kind of dealing with the sort of elements of themselves that they maybe don't like yeah. uh, from the others. And so to me, Scream 3, them encountering each other and having these people sort of, you know, kind of represent a little bit of what they've become and what they were and, and just kind of, they're like the exaggerated elements of like the worst parts of themselves, basically. Mm-hmm. And... You know, to me, it's kind of like Sydney, Dewey, and Gale. They're all sort of confronting uh, the worst pieces of themselves and and kind of having to overcome them. And, you know, frankly, the the death of every single one of those <laughs> people who are involved in Stab 3, because mm-hmm. uh, they all die. I don't think anybody lives. No. Um, 
the the death of them all is is to me kind of like you know this being supposedly the final scream it is the final death of the 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 trauma or the bad bits or whatever you want to call it of those characters which is why you know in the finale or in in the final scene they finally seem like happy for once for the first time in like three movies you know yeah no i definitely agree with you i think if we look at i am you know randy's kind of bits of advice because randy comes back in this movie and i fucking love it he does and by the way randy was uh originally uh, originally i think wes and them did try to bring randy back and the studio just wouldn't do it (laughs) that that would have been a terrible idea yeah no no it was awful they they had some concept i think of like Oh yeah, it turns out that Randy survived and he's been like, you know, getting back to health and being taken care of with his sister Is and whatnot. Is he Dewey? Well, well, I was just like, uh, he's pretty fucking dead in part yeah, two, he's guys. He's pretty fucking dead. He's pretty fucking dead. I yeah. don't I don't think he survived that. No. No, but I do love him coming back and giving his rules, having that really short moment. But I think, you know, to your point and to Randy's, this movie is really about confronting the sins of the past. And that's what we get with, you know, these these meta, these actor characters, because it is forcing each of them to confront something that they don't want to admit to themselves. Right. Like Gail doesn't want to admit to herself that she's as vindictive and bitchy as she's kind of forced to confront with Jennifer. When she Mm. looks at Jennifer, she's seeing like the most selfish side of her. And to your point, Gail is less, kind of less bitchy in this, in the fact that she doesn't completely sell Dewey out when he says it's off the record. She Mm. puts it away. But, like, you know, Gail's being forced to confront that. I feel like Dewey with Tom is being forced to confront that he is not as cool as he thinks he is. (laughs) I think Dewey has this weird idea in his head that he's, like, this super cool together cop, and he's just not. Well, I I, I love in part three, and, and you see that in Dewey's look, because in part three, Dewey's totally taken on, like, the, the Hollywood look where he's got, like, his hair slicked back. Yeah, and he's, he's got the porn he's, stash. He's got the porn stash. He's trying to talk a lot smoother, right? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and it's, Like, he lo- he's loving this Hollywood life. He absolutely is, but I think he has to confront his own stupidity when, like, his double Tom goes back in the goddamn house to read the facts. Well, right, and Tom does end up being, like, the dumbest the Dewey, yeah. <laughs> of that group. So. Uh, you know, with, with Sydney and Angelina, Sydney's... Played by Emily Mortimer, by the way, who I still cannot believe that Emily Mortimer's in this movie. <laughs> but, like, I feel like, you know, the confrontation between Angelina and Sydney is a little bit different because... You know, as we get with a lot of the stuff with Sydney in this movie, she doesn't really want to confront or deal with the darkness of her own past or even like the darkness within herself. And I feel like we get that with Angelina because when we meet Angelina in the beginning, she's really sweet and she's really innocent. The kind of mm. the way that Sydney kind of was. And then we find out she fucked Milton to get her role and she ends up dying because she's so selfish that she's trying to like get out of the house where everybody's getting murdered. I mean, that's a yeah, smart I, choice, but <laughs> Well, I mean, what's kind of wild about that and why I sort of wish that this ended up being the case. Angelina was actually supposed to be the second killer in the movie originally. Like oh, so what? Uh there I I don't I don't I think this was another thing where the studio didn't greenlight it, mm-hmm. uh which I think was a mistake on their part, but yeah, no, it, it was supposed to be this thing where she was going to be the the girlfriend of Roman and mm. kind of like essentially be a pawn in what he was doing going along on this with him Mm -hmm. and and you know i'm not sure how that would have worked if fleshed out and all that but i think that the the idea inherently is really interesting because 
you know, you're talking about the the darkness of Sydney's past. Yeah. And so again, you know, you have this character with Emily, and had she been uh, one of the killers, you know, that that again is Sydney directly confronting like that piece of herself, you know. So I I actually think it's kind of a shame uh, that we didn't get that in the final film because I think that would have been great to kind of see Sydney confront like this dark there, part of herself <laughs> oh i'm conflicted because i do think that'd be a really cool concept but i also just love the like sibling throwdown we get at the end oh no don't get me wrong <laughs> the sibling throwdown's great I, you wouldn't have needed to have like this big elaborate you know thing mm-hmm. uh it, it really you know just kind of like how it always plays out right yeah. like l- like go back to scream too you know mickey gets the first introduction mm-hmm. and and you know sydney has her whole little thing with them but then Sydney still ends up confronting Billy's mom, and that ends up being the big finale, right? So, yeah. like, you still could have had Sydney facing this part of herself, or or you could have had Sydney, you know, uh, have this big throwdown with her sibling, and then maybe Emily Mortimer's like, you know, laying there half dead somewhere or whatever, and she's like, "I just wanted to be you," or I don't fucking know. And Sydney <laughs> and Sydney blows her brains out. Look, at this point, I'm I'm just fan, I'm just fanizing, right? So 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 that's not that's not worth anything, but. Matt's going to go write his own fan fiction ending for Scream 3. <laughs> I might, because I really want this ending now. But but no, you know, so, so yeah, no, exactly. Like, that, that's what's so fun, I think, about having uh, all of these dual counterparts is, you know, the, the second film was, like, all about duality, and this third film kind of takes it a step further where it goes that meta route of, like, you're literally confronting almost like your doppelganger, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and having to kind of deal with, like, that shitty piece of yourself that you don't like. Mm-hmm. You know, even, and it, it's all throughout the movie. Like, you have this line with Jennifer where she, <laughs> where she's fucking, this cracks me up, where she's talking about, uh, in the backseat of the car to Gail, and she's like, my Gail would be more aggressive. <laughs> my Gail would do this. And and the thing about that scene is like as ridiculous as it is, she's absolutely right. Gail Gail from the first movie mm-hmm. probably would have done what the things that Jennifer's talking about and yeah. be more aggressive and do this and that, right? And and Gail is trying to be a better person. She's not good at it. <laughs> yeah. She's still failing here and there, but she's trying to be someone better, right? Yeah. Uh and 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 then of course, you know, there's the whole idea of like this being all pretend and confronting, you know, reality versus not reality, which mm-hmm. is why I love when you've got uh, Jennifer shouting, stop pretending to Roman when he says that she wasn't the best he's ever had, <laughs> right? And, you know, it just it just ties into the whole idea that, like, the, the Hollywood and all of this shit, like, movies, they're fake. They're not real. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they capitalize on, on reality and real terror and real pain, right? You know, and that's kind of... Mm-hmm. That's kind of the the darker side of Scream 3 is that it is, you know, again, taking a cue from part two in the opening with with Jada Pinkett, you know, uh, and and the whole scene that she has at the theater. It's it's taking that further and just showing how like, you know, how truly we make like a joke or, or a or a popcorn, you know, flick out of like people's real trauma and pain right so yeah <laughs> uh so j- that's that's the darker side of screen three <laughs> but look i so i want to make sure that we don't that we don't skip talking about another thing from kruger's script which was a big change uh from the other films which is the voice changer you know every everyone talks shit about this voice changer but i have to admit i actually kind of like the voice changer look i don't i don't have an issue with the. you vo- hate the voice changer don't you okay. admit it you hate it <laughs> so i don't i don't hate the voice changer i just look it, it's one of those moments where you can either go with it 
or you get stuck in the weeds like I do sometimes and go like, how the fuck would this work? Like when he has when he has Maureen's voice, when he has Sydney's mom's voice, I'm like, how the fuck did you get her voice? See, this always drives me nuts because it's like it's a fucking horror movie. Like, look, you're I, I get it. Okay, I get it. Like if you really start to think about the voice changer, no, it's not realistic. No. We don't even have that technology now. Okay, so like it's not it's not you know I, I don't blame anyone for being like that doesn't exist or or you know it, it's just it. It fails to suspend your disbelief a little mm. bit there. That's fine. I just, to me, it's never been anything that I'm, like, mad about it because, you know, when I, when I sit down to watch movies, I don't really care about how realistic it is. I actually, you know, I'm one of those people where, for me, the, the more unrealistic a film is, the more I think <laughs> I prefer it. Like, to me, movies are stab three. M- movies, <laughs> you know, m- movies are not supposed to be reality. They, mm-hmm. They're supposed to be the opposite of that. They're an exaggeration of literally everything, you know? So... So I like that it kind of takes it to this place that's a little bit, you know, a little bit goofier maybe. Mm-hmm. But again, that fits the tone of the film, I think. Uh, but but for me, ultimately, I just love that it was a, as a change on the franchise. Yeah. You know, it, I, I do think that for, for trilogy films, you know, you do have to go all out. And, mm-hmm. and look, you know, sometimes you go a little too big and it <laughs> fails. Uh, like Hellraiser 3. <laughs> you all know what I'm talking about with the fucking disc shooter. Or sometimes it's a huge success, like Dream Warriors with Nightmare on Elm Street 3, you know, where it's just like they went bigger with that and it ended up succeeding, you know? So, like, th- that's that's what I think Screen 3 was kind of doing here, and it's a mixed bag. You know, it is. It doesn't all work, but I think the screen tra- I, I think the voice changer was fun because, it to me, it ties in further to the 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 overall theme of Scream uh, or, or part of the theme of Scream in this film, which is that anyone can be Ghostface. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's something that we've talked about uh, through the entire month is that what separates Ghostface from any other iconic horror franchise killer is that Ghostface is not one person. It's not Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or, you know, fucking Pinhead or whatever. <laughs> it's, it is something, it is, it is a, an idea. Ghostface is an idea almost like a cult in a sense that, mm-hmm. you know, just like spreads through uh, the entire culture like a fucking cancer, you know, and, yeah. and creates all, or doesn't create all these cycles, but gives them like inspiration or whatever, you know? And and so so the idea that we are all Ghostface and we can all be Ghostface, I think I think the voice changer taps into that and kind of enhances the sort of paranoid, you know, fear of the fact you know that that like you could be fucking <laughs> ghostface i don't know you no, know <laughs> i i do agree with you look like my only issue with the the voice changer is literally from just like a weird like pedantic sense of how would this work but to your point you can't let that bog you down in horror and so the voice changer i think is the very logical next step for scream to take the th- the brilliance of scream that they've done with every movie is that they've taken into account the changes with technology you know, caller ID, star 69. Scream always takes these things into account. So I think the voice changer we got was a very logical next step for Scream to take. For and sure. I, I think, and it's, the voice changers have always been there. For anybody who has a hard time with it, the voice changers have always been a part of Scream. And this is just, again, reaffirming what well, you're saying. Anyone can be Ghostface. Well, but the thing we got to remember, too, at the time is like, look, you know, it, it, I, I it's got to be a totally different experience for anyone going into this film for the first time who already knows about the voice changer mm-hmm. because we didn't have, again, we didn't have shit like that yeah. uh, when Scream 3 was made. So, so you know, Scream 3, I think, is is arguably one of the best in hiding 
who the killer is because, you know, Roman's kind of obvious at times, but then they fucking kill him off or so we yeah. believe. And and all of a sudden you're like, well, shit, I don't know who it is now. And and by having the voice changer and having, you know, Gale and Dewey and Sydney's voices all kind of participate in the manipulation, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people when we went into Scream 3, you know, that was a period, I people forget this, that was a period where like, everyone still thought that you know gale or maybe dewey or even potentially sydney could be the killer yeah you know and by having the voice changer stuff like that it that you know further influenced that idea like you went you went through that film questioning yourself thinking well shit it could be one of them i don't know you know and so so no i i ultimately like it i think it was fun you know, but the, but there are, <laughs> but there are other things uh, that are controversial in the script <laughs> that <laughs> that I know not everyone's happy about, and one of those is you know the the whole dreams of Sydney's mother, which mm-hmm. ends up being kind of a constant. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? Of, what do you think about that part of it? Because again, Kruger did a lot of different things with Scream Three that <laughs> the others hadn't. Look, honestly, I'm glad that we had them. Like. I know that might sound weird, but look, all of everything, Scream kicked off with Sydney having to pay for the sins of her mom. That's that's basically it. That's how all of this kicked off is that Sydney's mom, who we never even met, did some shit that wasn't okay and kicked all of this off. And now Sydney is weirdly dealing with the consequences of this. And I think mm. that, you know, in terms of following Sydney's trauma and stuff like that, this is the logical place for Sydney to be. She's now having to confront like, you know, there's that moment in one of the dreams where, like, her mom is telling her that everything she touches dies. And I think Sydney's at a place where she's having a hard time kind of parsing out, is it her fault that these things are happening? Or is she suffering the traumas of her mom, and how does she deal with that? Well, so, well, yeah, I, like I don't want, want to touch on that side, but so, so you like the nightmares. Look, I... I don't know if they're like handled as well as they could have been, but I'm glad that we're actually confronting it because Maureen's always been this character in in the sidelines, yeah. even though she affects everything. Well, she's not. So, she's so yeah, I want to see the bitch. I want to make her answer for her shit. I want to see the bitch. Jesus, Chris. <laughs> actually, Marie, she, was, she was a victim. She right? was. She, oh my god. How she. Dare, how dare you call her a bitch? I. She can be both. <laughs> You are just the worst kind of woman. No, I'm just kidding. I'm oh! kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, so so look, I mean, look, to your point, yeah, no, I think it's great that we actually get Maureen's presence for once, you know, because yeah. she she has been like this ghost haunting the entire franchise. Right. And, and finally in the third film, we kind of get her, we kind of get her getting to be a little bit of that ghost, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a thing where, like, I understand why people don't like it. It's hokey, you know. Oh, is but, that why people don't like it? Well, I don't know. I, mean, I don't know why people don't like it. I think it's good. Thing? Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, no. It, I mean, look, let's be honest. It's hokey, all right? It, it is You're ho- hokey. <laughs> You're fucking hokey. Look. I am. No, no, it is. It is. Give me a second to talk <laughs> about it. Uh, it. It is hokey because, you know, I, I mean, it's... <laughs> Let's be honest, like, it's very difficult to do dreams and horror without it being a little bit hokey, all right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, especially when we know it's a dream. But but the thing but the thing here is, though, you know, I, I, re- I really like the dream element for, for all the reasons you just talked about, which is that, yeah, it ties into the theme, you know, we've been dealing with, we've been dealing with since the first film, you know, Sydney kind of being afraid of becoming her mom, mm-hmm. you know, or, 
or or following in those footsteps or or even not knowing her mother you know and and having all these dark secrets come out and then especially by the second film i think she's very much like you know i don't i don't want to be that i don't want to follow that same path right and so so she's struggling with that which actually a uh, fun little observation which i i think is t- a total exaggeration on my part uh but you remember how in the first film Sydney, you're gonna laugh at me. Remember how in the first film Sydney loses her virginity in like that really just kind of brownish, sort of like plain kind of room, right? Uh-huh. Uh and, and and we know from the first film that like that's not Sydney's style. Like Sydney's very feminine, her rooms are very feminine. Mm-hmm. And and anyway, she loses her virginity in that room in Stu's house. And then Sydney throughout the rest of the franchise, uh, her her like I don't know, you can't really call it iconic, maybe, but her like standard outfit is you know the the brown leather jacket and like dark clothing yeah and so i've always sort of associated that with like there's a part of her that feels uh guilty sort of about about having lost her virginity there not necessarily guilty about losing the virginia but guilty about you know losing it with billy and like kind of the trauma of that but then but then also the fact that you know, I, I do think that she has that fear of like becoming her mom, so sex is still kind of a touchy subject, I think, with Sydney. And yeah. so, you know, so I, I've always looked at like the brown as like she's kind of like living in that moment. She's like living in the moment where where she did fuck Billy and <laughs> Yeah, I mean I think that that's completely understandable because, you know, Sydney throughout this entire franchise is really having to deal with the trauma of trusting people who have these weird dark secrets. Like the stuff with her mom and then with Billy, like she gives up her virginity, which is a huge deal for her, to a psychotic boy who raped and murdered her mom and then tried to murder her and her dad. Like, the, that's going to fuck the you boy, up. The boy next door you want to bring home. <laughs> like, and uh, I do think it's interesting with this, you know, with this last one, we really are not only touching on Sydney's trauma, but Maureen's trauma and how that transfers down. Because, like, Maureen got you know, fucking raped well, in Hollywood. Well, hold, hold on. Before before we talk about that, I just want to say one more thing about the dreams, which is that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the thing that I like about it too, that, that I think maybe gets overlooked with Scream 3 is that, you know, I, I like it because, uh, look, again, is Scream 3 perfect? No, but it, but I think that it, it calls back a little bit to, you know, kind, kind of Wes's roots, which I think is fun because Scream 3 is, you know, all about the confrontation of the past, right? And, mm-hmm. and, and so I sort of like that, you know, with Scream 3, Wes kind of goes back a little bit to where he started in the sense that, you know, Scream 3 is not as cynical or, or mean as the other two films, mm-hmm. but but it does have that sort of Nightmare on Elm Street kind of surreal element to it, right? Where, yeah. you know, I mean, the whole dream sequence with her is like straight out of a Nightmare on Elm Street almost, where it's just like really weird and creepy and like like what Wes has a talent Wes himself does have a talent for doing I think dreams and horror I yeah. mean fucking obviously with Nightmare yeah. on Street right but but so so I kind of like that that it feels like he kind of went back a little bit to you know where he kind of came from for this movie but but all right yeah yeah so so of course the the ending and the final reveal with Marine you know so so th- this is where this is where Scream 3 gets like <laughs> I to, so meta that I mean your brain melts because because <laughs> it because it because it gets meta to a level that it didn't even intend you know so mm-hmm. like so what's so interesting here is that you know Scream Three with with this whole reveal that Marine uh, tried to be an actress for a couple years and and came up in, 
under Milton, played by Lance Henriksen, which, uh, God, the fucking cameos in these movies. I mean, you even have Roger Corman in this, which is amazing. But I love that he's uh, played a producer. Well, right. And, and, and Milton is supposed to be like a Roger Corman, you know, uh, uh, homage because, mm-hmm. you know, he makes all these like crappy <laughs> B movies uh, that, that get a lot of people started. And that's what Maureen was in, you know, a few of those films. And anyway, the, the whole idea that she it came up under Milton and, and then went through this, you know, the, it's uh, what we understand a, a very awful uh non-consensual uh sexual night at at milton's place with other producers um you know uh, unfortunately a very real thing that goes on in hollywood and has for decades there's a reason why we call it the casting couch yeah no there's a reason that phrase exists yeah but what i'm saying with why why it's so meta that it didn't even intend to be this meta is that you know, Scream 3 was one of the first films really to like confront this, uh, which is kind of insane when you think about it, because we're talking about, you know, the the third tr- the third film in like a slasher franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Scream 3 was, you know, it was pre Me Too movement mm-hmm. and it was talking directly about what Me Too ended up being and being about, which is, you know, that idea of. Harvey Weinstein and producers like that taking advantage of women for roles and wouldn't you know it uh, the screen movies are produced by Harvey Weinstein so (laughs) so so to me it's just so bizarre that this movie went to that level of meta that it calls out you know the exact thing that Harvey was doing at the time and Harvey fucking produced this movie which which is even more of a case against Harvey because it's like Bro, you were probably so okay with what you were doing that you didn't even realize that you were making a movie that was, like, commenting on your shitty behavior, you know? Yeah. So, or criminal behavior is what it should be called. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or you should fucking die behavior. Yep. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Um, you know, so so I, I find it fascinating in that sense. But, I mean, in the other, yes, you know, Scream 3 is all about confronting the past, which, yeah. again, is why I love the ghost face just concept in general, because I've always looked at those killers as being representative of your past. Mm-hmm. The mistakes of the past, the the shit from the past that you didn't know was in the past, as Randy <laughs> kind of talks about how the past is going to like come back and blow your mind. I'm not really sure that, you know, Scream 3 lives up to kind of what Randy was pitching in his video. <laughs> he might not but have approved, but... He, he might not have approved, as most fans didn't at the time. <laughs> Look, I'll fight you. I fucking love Roman. I love Roman as a killer. And maybe there's a part of me of like, look, I'm a younger sibling. So that last throwdown between Sydney and Roman, I fucking love because I look at it and it is sibling fights to the nth degree. Like down to Roman, like screaming like a little (laughs) bitch boy about how she like stole his life and he wants all the attention. The only problem I have, honestly, with the ending is that Roman is the older sibling and he is acting like the younger sibling. And I can say that because I'm a younger sibling and I have said those words to my older brother. Well, he's acting like the younger sibling in the sense that he is a spoiled, selfish brat. He's a little brat (laughs) child who's just like, you had the life I was supposed to have. I tried to kill you one time and suddenly we get Sydney, the survivor, the star, and he's so petty about it. And I'm going to say this, as a sibling, I fucking love that end scene because I'm like, yes, this is accurate. This is the Kane instinct. We just beat the shit out of each other. 
Well, I mean, you you and your brother's relationship wasn't even that violent. Maya and my sister, on the oh. other hand, we could totally match Roman and Sydney, you know, yes. minus, minus the murder. Because, you know, I mean, my sister was so fucking violent that she, like, pushed me into a cactus <laughs> one time. She threw, like, a giant, you know, she she threw, like, a giant Coke bottle bank at me once. <laughs> uh, like, like flooded across the room at me, you know. like So so the film definitely taps into that kind of sibling rivalry, mm-hmm. uh, which is almost... Pettiness. Well, it's petty, but it, sibling rivalry in itself is almost like a survival of the fittest thing in the household, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, maybe there's siblings out there that don't agree with this, but I always sort of looked at it when I was a kid as like, you know, the, the sibling rivalry is like the siblings are literally almost battling to the death for yes. like the attention of the parents, right? Yes. Uh, and so, so it's a lot like that. But but even more than that, you know, again, it, it's it speaks to something that all the screen films kind of touch on, which is the fact that, you know, the killers are all kind of like pansy little bitches that, you know, that, that are uh, sort of, you know, that are weak. They're like weak Mm -hmm. people. And, and, and I, and I love that that is, you know, weak, they're, they're weak, they're weak, privileged people Mm -hmm. that think that they deserve something that they don't, right. Or, or that, or that like murder is worth justifying over the, like, like Roman thinks that it's worth justifying murdering all these people because mommy didn't love him you know and it's just like you know i go through shit with people in my life too i'm not gonna fucking murder somebody because Mm -hmm. they don't love me so 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 you know it's tapping into that and it's it's why i think sydney has some of her best moments in the sequel (laughs) i love when roman's doing his whole bond villain like vomiting the whole plot Mm -hmm. you know out to her and she's just like Oh God! Why don't you stop your fucking whining and get on with it? I've heard this <laughs> shit before, you know. Like, I I just love that because I feel I feel you know. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like there are probably just so many women out there, especially yeah, uh, who who have dealt with this shit from men, and they're just like, would you fucking grow up and get a fucking spine and stop being a little fucking crybaby about everything? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's that's absolutely how I feel. Look, there's a part of me that feels bad for Roman because he can't get past look this woman gave him up when he was a baby he never knew Maureen I'm not, I'm not saying that Roman hasn't had his, his oh, difficult life no or whatever, no Roman's you know? a little bitch boy <laughs> Roman's a little bitch boy and I'm not I'm not budging from that but like it's this thing of like bro she gave you up you had a different life you do not need Maureen to approve of you or love you you are you are your own self. And Roman can't get past that because he needs mommy's love for some reason. Yeah. And if he can't get it, he's going to murder her. But I, I want to point out one thing that they do in the end, which I think is so fucking... A boy's best friend is his mother. Ugh. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> I am... Norman Bates, psycho, yeah. <laughs> as, as Billy Loomis likes to say. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Um, but I want to point out one small thing that I think is so fucking brilliant. Roman is a bitch boy like... But he is also a victim of trauma and of Maureen's trauma. And I love the moment in the end after Sydney's fucking stabbed him in the chest where the two of them hold hands. Mm. Like she holds his hand as he's dying because they both acknowledge that they are victims of this trauma that they never asked for. And if that's not a sibling relationship where you beat (laughs) the shit out of each other, but then you help each other out, I don't know what is. I mean, it's a touching moment. I, I will say that I think, uh, you know, speaking of H2O, as we mentioned way back in the beginning of this, because that's what Kevin Williamson was doing. I, I think I think H2O actually does that moment better. <laughs> it's not a competition, Matt. It's not a competition, but it is a point that I really wish Williamson had wrote this movie, even though I love Kruger's work on it. But. To be fair, Ginger Snaps does it best. 
Yeah, well, Ginger Snap's got plenty of examples of how to do it better after watching this next <laughs> will. So fuck that. And, but but you're right, Ginger Snap's does do it best. Did you just um, say fuck Ginger Snap's? No, I didn't say fuck Ooh, Ginger Snap's. I fucking love Ginger Ooh. Snap's. Uh, so look, last thing I want to say about this uh, before we start wrapping up here is that, you know, I also just want to shout out to the production design of this movie because Scream Three to me is la- is lacking severely in in the kills and the gore, which yep. that's a whole complicated thing. I mean, look, we. We had had Columbine recently, you know, and just like that, America was in a weird place in the late nineties <laughs> and early two thousands. All right, so so the gore the gore was reduced significantly, which meant the kills weren't as good. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's honestly not very many in Scream Three that I'm like, yeah, that was a great kill. But for all that it lacks in that, it makes up for in the production design because whereas Scream and Scream Two, which both still do cool things, I mean, especially Scream Two with the whole theater set, yeah, uh, Scream Three comes out and we've got you know, fucking Sydney's whole like street recreated. And then, mm-hmm. and then especially, you know, on the subject that we're talking about, I love this house that it's set in, in the end, Milton's mansion, uh, because not only is that mansion pretty fucking true to life for, you know, places like that in Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. Cause if you think, if you think that there are not houses in Hollywood that have those sort of screening rooms where, that sort of thing goes on. Uh, you're sorely mistaken. You know, I, I can't speak to how often that still happens. Hopefully not at all, but mm-hmm. I know that's not true. Yeah. Um, but that, that was especially a, a place that existed. But, I, but I, I love how the house, the mansion fits into the theme of the movie because, you know, you're talking about this place with like all these secret passages and like the, these dark tunnels. And, you know, it just, it speaks so much to like what the movie is ultimately about, which is like uncovering the past and, you know, finding all of these secrets that you didn't know were a part of your life before and are now, you know, you probably and, didn't want to know, and probably didn't want to know. And then to actually take place, like in the place where this shit happened to Marine, you know, like that's such a like perfect kind of full circle, you know, getting through the trauma sort of experience for Sydney, right? And mm-hmm. having like directly face that. Uh, that I just think I just think it's such a cool concept, you know. It's why it's why again, like, look, I, I will defend Scream Three all the time because uh, even though it's kind of a mess and not as you know, not <laughs> especially not as good as the first two films, it is still really clever and and it's still really interesting. I think so. Yeah. But so unfortunately, we do got gotta start wrapping up here uh, so we don't go like forty minutes over time again. So. <laughs> Uh, who we is just your... really love Scream. We just really love Scream. Uh, so who is your killer idiot of Scream 3? I am... So I'm torn. I want to go with Cotton Weary because he should know better than to, like, talk to some rando on the phone and all the shit that, like, leads up to him dying. But here's the thing. He doesn't because he never participated or learned the lessons from the previous Screams. So he's not really an idiot. Not to mention, uh, he's just talking to like some random person who called him he's on the phone. He's got a like, girlfriend. Uh, he needs to stop flirting with random women on the phone. He is fucking Cotton Weary. He has his own TV show, all right? He All, all Cotton has ever been about is flirting with people and wanting to like live that lifestyle. So <laughs> Then that I, just makes him another gross Hollywood dude. Absolutely, but I but I don't I don't think it makes him dumb that he doesn't know he's about to be murdered. <laughs> That's fair, which is why I'm giving it to Tom for going back in the goddamn house and getting blown up. My note literally says Tom for going back in the house. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is Tom. It, it, Horror movie 101, don't go back in the house. Yes, it, it is Tom, played by Matt Kiesler, who 
you know, the uh, just yeah, the the dumbest thing that 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 character could possibly do. The the killer is literally sending you faxes of what's about to happen, and and you're just like, I have to know, and you yep. go in there, and you know, uh, to me, to that me, that house get blown up way more than it should. It's a fucking movie, Chris. I want it to explode <laughs> big. Don't give me a small explosion. I don't want to just see the microwave blow up. I want the whole fucking house to blow to smithereens. All right? And this was back in the time where we actually blew houses up. Not like today where we just put it on a fucking computer. And Wait, just did they actually, blo- they actually blow a house up? Do you think they didn't blow a house up? Yeah, I thought it was not a real house. I, I mean, look, I don't know for sure, actually, if I'm being honest, but I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure they blew up a miniature. Um, Matt's trying to lie to me. <laughs> I could be wrong. I, you know, I could be wrong. It was 2000. That's when we started doing stuff like that. I'm pretty sure they blew up a miniature, though. Uh, obviously, you know, they didn't blow up Tom, the actor. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was digital. But <laughs> Nope, that dude's dead now. <laughs> Look, the point of it is, is that I miss blowing up miniatures, all right? Agreed. I, I think it looks way better than anything we do now. Uh, but anyway, so, so no, yeah, mine's Tom. Uh, and, and it figures that he's the one playing Dewey, as we said before. He is the dumbest one in the cast fucking idiot uh so just fits right in but anyway um what about your killer death in scream 3 so another thing i'm torn on i want to give a shout out to milton because fuck that dude he's a piece of shit and he deserved to die lance henriksen always amazing but obviously my killer death is gonna be roman's because roman gets shot like eight times in the chest by dewey as he's screaming at them it's amazing and then it's just like them yelling at duty yelling at duty (laughs) i'm a little drunk yelling at dewey to to headshot i think the only disappointing thing is the fact that this is the only movie where neither gail nor sydney get to finish off the killer and that's kind of bullshit in my book oh it's bullshit that well it's bullshit but also to be fair it's like do we finally got to kind of overcome his shittiness as I, a cop so <laughs> i think it works to the whole theme of the movie because you have to look you have to look at screen three as like you know this was when we thought that the franchise was going to be over mm-hmm. so so in a sense i get i get what you're saying you know this is still sydney's story sydney still should get the final blow but if you look past that uh this film is ultimately about all three of them kind of finding peace so to speak and moving you know, so, on so, so so i so i yeah so i like that dewey kind of gets the final shot because dewey finally gets to fucking do something finally gets a moment and because <laughs> he's never gotten he's never even gotten to be there for the killer monologues because he's know? always so, been stabbed <laughs> he's always been dying somewhere yeah and and really should have died twice so. can we give a small shout out to the fact that we did a call like a callback to the first scream movie by having her kill him with an ice pick or at least stab him with an ice pick yeah no that's really fun and the thing i will say though is like you know I do wish that I do wish that the Scream franchise wasn't so full of headshots. <laughs> yeah, because the first three movies, one of the killers all die with a headshot. Because <laughs> you have to, you got to double tap. Randy no. taught us that in the first one. Yeah, Randy taught us a double tap. He also taught us that to kill the killer in the in the third film, you have to cryogenically freeze him, cut his head <laughs> off, do all kinds of shit to fucking kill him. You know, so so I I would have liked to have actually seen them do like. You know, like you, look, we wanted them to set Roman on fire with a flamethrower. I'm just saying, fuck it. If you're going to do Scooby Doo mystery, you might as well go completely over the top and just like shoot Roman in the fucking outer space for all I care. You know, <laughs> just like just something, something totally wild and crazy, you know. Uh, but again, the film itself is kind of 
pointing out you know how reality versus not reality and not reality is shooting him in the space reality is he's just a fucking douchebag that dies from a bullet to the face you yep. know so, <laughs> um but anyway so so my mine was tom uh, because I just love watching that dumb motherfucker blow up. You know? <laughs> it's a really great explosion. And, and it's the most over-the-top kill in the entire movie. So, yeah, yep. it's fucking Tom. Again, the kills are just not very good in this movie. No. <laughs> so nope. what, about, what about your killer MVP for Screen 3? Obviously, Parker Posey. She's amazing this entire time. She has one of my favorite lines in there after she gets punched in the goddamn face because a Gale has to get punched. If a Gale doesn't get punched in a Scream movie, is it really a Scream movie? Good point. Yeah. So I love the fact that she gets the punch and then she has that great line where she's just, my lawyers liked that. Like, Parker, yeah. did you really need to breathe between every word? I love you. Wh- which I think was improvised, too. Um, <laughs> no, mine mine is also Parker Posey. I th- you know, she's an amazing, messy which, bitch. Which, look, I mean, look, this speaks to how fun of a performance it is in this movie because we're taught you, you still have. Nev Campbell, Courtney Cox, David Arquette. I'm giving it to fucking Parker Posey, though, because every scene she's in in this film is just hilarious. Yes. You know? like, she, like, she, more than anybody else, I think, understood exactly the tone <laughs> that this movie was going for and was like, fuck it, I am going face first into what this film's doing. <laughs> and so, you know, she does. She has, like, perfect comedic timing uh, all throughout this movie. I, I love the scene where she's jumping into Stephen Stone's arms played by Patrick Warburton right? and, and which which is another thing where I think they shot like a ton of takes of that and she just did something different every time like running away <laughs> crying or you know like saying some other shit or whatever and and this was what they ended up using but I just love how she it's just perfect. Like, jumps in his arms <laughs> like a child uh no Parker Posey's amazing uh, she she's the MVP for me in Scream 3 and she's the only character who died who i'm kind of like i wouldn't have minded had she lived yeah she should have lived <laughs> because her and gail deserve just like an entire murder mystery series together yes. i just want to see them solve crimes scooby-doo style justice for jennifer <laughs> justice for jennifer so one last thing we like to do before we wrap up here is every week on twitter at killer critics like to put up a poll kind of getting your thoughts and feelings on the film and what you think of it so between love it it's fine don't like it and never seen it where do you think the audience falls on Scream 3? You bastards better have said it's fine, because otherwise it would be real sad. Yeah, so uh, Love It got 25.7%. It's Fine was the winner at 45.4%. Uh, don't Like It was 19.1%. <gasps> I told you people don't like I this know, movie. I know, but it makes me and, sad. And Never Seen It was 9.9%. So <laughs> that's about where I expected. I, I really did not think that Love It was going to win it as much as I would... Love that I, for I, Scream 3. Um, <laughs> I'm okay that Love It didn't win as long as Hate It didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so we always like to get comments from you all as well from Twitter. Uh, so first up is at Dropout Ninja. And they say, folks give Scream 3 a hard time, but I think it's really fun. The dynamic between the actors and the original Scream cast is hilarious, especially Parker Posey and Courtney Cox, who have great chemistry. Carrie Fisher kills it in her cameo and a hundred percent cotton gets me every time <laughs> i mean what a genius name for his show hundred percent cotton it's yeah, so perfect yeah apparently that was something that they joked about all the time on set through the first two screen movies mm-hmm. about how cotton should have like his a show called hundred percent cotton so i guess with this they were just like fuck it we're just gonna do that so. you know it's like a maury level show too 
Oh, for sure. It's actually funny because Cotton wasn't even in the original script. You know, uh, uh, what? originally, you know, well, t- which is funnier when you think about it, because you have you have Lee Schreiber being like, you know, yeah, they got me in this fucking cameo and fucking stab three. Like, I need a better agent, you know, and and that's ultimately what this ended up being is this like fucking cameo that was never planned. Uh, originally, I think it was supposed to be just like one of the actors from the new stab movie uh, that opens up the film. And I don't remember whose idea it was, but they were like, ah, why don't we do Cotton again? And yeah, Cotton, OK um i'm so glad they did yeah no me too it's great it's perfect that they have gotten this yeah. you know you can't you can't leave a loose thread oh my god <laughs> i'm married let's, to this man let's aim it out there but no look yeah no i i, I just wanted to include this because absolutely you know it's a really fun movie i i I, I totally get why others don't rank it higher in the franchise, but I, but I do think that you know, for those who hate it, give it another chance. It's fun. Yeah, it's a fun horror film. You know, it's you not, shit faced and watch this movie. How, how many times have you seen a third film in a horror franchise that's the best film in the franchise? It's very rare. Yeah, you know, but Scream Three is still a lot of fun. So, but anyway, Carrie Fisher and Parker Posey. Watch it for that alone. Yeah, for sure. I, I still can't believe Carrie Fisher's even in this movie as well. You know, I, which, love, I love that she makes fun of herself. Yeah, which is what she wanted to do, apparently. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like she insisted on doing this. She's um, a queen. She is a queen. Uh, so anyway, thank you at Dropout Ninja for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, next up is a comment from at Preston Fassel. So that's, and hopefully I said that okay, Preston. Uh, that's P-R-E-S-T-O-N-F-A-S-S-E-L. And, and Preston is uh, the managing editor of Daily Grindhouse, you know, so, and a friend of mine. So definitely go check out Daily Grindhouse. And his work is a great writer. Um, and it has a few novels out there that I love. Uh, but anyway, he says, it's okay. I liked that it pulled back from the sadistic tone of two, which still bugs me for reasons it's hard to articulate. It was a good conclusion for that iteration of the series, which is a lot more than you can say for other franchise quote unquote enders. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I'm again, I like this one for the same reason. I like a lot of Friday the 13th movies. This is a really nice breather movie. Because, yeah, the first two, they're very dark. They get very sadistic. And it's fun with this one because they're like, hey, just turn your brain off for a little bit. We're still going to have some dark shit. But, you know, Parker Posey's here. So it's great. <laughs> Parker Posey's <laughs> here. So everything's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, look, so, so, no, I, look, I, I actually understand what Preston's saying, again, with, with going back to the, the whole part two sadistic thing. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I was saying before is that that, that movie is mean. Yes. Like it's like it's really and, and and you know it's not it's not overtly mean. It's not it's not like watching something like Martyrs which is just like an assault on every on every part of your senses. Um but but Scream 2 is a mean movie. It's yes. very mean to Sydney. Yep. <laughs> and and it is sadistic, you know. She's not and allowed to have nice things. She's not allowed to have nice things and it is very sadistic and so so I I agree with Preston that I like that it again, I like that it pulls back from that. I like that it gives us a more satisfying ending for for Sydney, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know you make fun of it. <laughs> where she gets to beat you know? the shit out of her brother. <laughs> no, 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 it's not about that. I, I know you make fun of the ending where, you know, Sydney leaves the door open in the end and you're like, you're like, why are you doing that? Like, you're so bad about it, but... Because but I, there were murderers coming in through back doors in Los Angeles. <laughs> I understand that, but but I love the, I love the symbol of that, you know, because it, it again, it shows that, like, Sydney has has finally overcome uh, the events of these movies, you know, mm. and she's finally like, finally, I can live a fucking life without fear, you know, like that's the idea, is that she is in a place where she now does not have to fear for her life every second of 
of living, you know. So, so I, so I do really like the kind of sweet. It's corny. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's corny as fuck. Uh, but I, but I like the sweet kind of uh, cheery ending that Scream Three gives us. And I yeah. agree with Preston. It does wrap up things better than usual because usually the final girl is either fucking dead or, <laughs> or, or, or it's just not very satisfying, you know. Mm-hmm. And in this case, I feel like we wrapped up all three characters very nicely. Yeah. We didn't need Scream 4. I love Scream 4. I am indifferent on Scream 5 at the moment. I like it. I don't love it. Uh, but but the franchise could have easily ended here with Part 3, and I would have been okay. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thank you at Preston Fassel for the comment. Appreciate it. And look, y'all, seriously, go read his book, Lady of the Inferno. It's his first novel. I loved it. It's one of the very first things I reviewed for KillerHorrorCritic.com, so... Do go check it out, please. It's a great book. Uh, but anyway, uh, next comment is from at Skidmarksgons. So that's Skid Mark G O or so that's Skid Marks G O N Z. And this is Mark. He used to write for me at killerhorker.com. He's a friend of mine. What's up, Mark? I still hate your Twitter handle. Um <laughs> and he says It makes me giggle every time. And he says, uh, the whole third act should have taken place on the set and lot, as there are literally dozens of ways to kill somebody on a back lot. And the scene where Sydney runs to the top of the stairs and opens a door that leads to nowhere is the very best part of the film. I do really like that part of the film because again, the great thing about Scream is its conversation with the movie industry reality versus the movie industry and that's a reminder for us that what we see in movies is not real like there's there's a falsehood to it so i think i do agree that that's brilliant and how they use it is brilliant having said that i disagree i like the fact that they end it in the in the 70s rape room like <laughs> chris is all about that rape room i'm not about that rape room but you know with this being the culmination of sydney confronting the trauma of marine and all that kind of stuff i think it had to happen back basically where it began right having said that i do think that having more kills on the set would have been great we needed more set kills well, well look this is where i 100 agree with mark is again the, the kill- <gasps> no 70s rape room for you i <laughs> fine i 50 percent agree okay uh i 100 agree with him though on the set thing uh because again look i i think the kills in scream 3 are terrible all right i'm just gonna be like i'm just gonna be honest about it like scream 3's kills are not good no they are not <laughs> like, they're basic I, they're basic bitch kills they're extremely basic and honestly there's really not a, remem- a memorable one except for tom getting blown up so i still think uh, roman getting shot six times is pretty memorable it's fine uh but they're screaming at you it's fine but but look you know mark's right i Mark's worked on sets. We've worked with him, and and Chris and I have worked on sets for lots of years. And look, he's absolutely right. I mean, you would you would be sh- well, actually, maybe you wouldn't be surprised. Um, sets are a dangerous place. Yes, they They're are. They're a dangerous place, and and accidents do happen. And uh, yeah, you know, there there are a lot of ways to kill people on <laughs> set if you really are feeling that that uh that vibe. And so, so I completely agree with Mark that like. I, I think, well, okay, I half agree because I think that it would have been really fun to end it on the set. Mm-hmm. But I also agree with you, Chris, that, that I think that... Of course it, you do, I'm your wife. Well, and I have to. <laughs> um, but that, that thematically, I do think it's better that it ends in the house mm-hmm. uh, for all the reasons that we already talked about. Uh, I just, I do wish that more people were killed on the set, though, because, God, I would have loved better kills in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I do love that Sydney, you know, runs to the top of the stairs and opens the door that leads to nowhere because uh, to me, it just it's significant to the idea that, you know, this is kind of her life and she can't really escape. 
there's no there's no easy way out you know it's it's she has to confront this and so way to take it to a deeper level matt can find a deeper level to everything listen you take <laughs> <laughs> you, you present me with the dog shit and tell me how to make it seem deeper you, he will wrap I, it up nice will, and neat for you I, I, I will do my best um <laughs> But anyway, thank you at SkinMarkGons for the comment. Appreciate it. Uh, change your Twitter handle, please, for the love don't, of God. <laughs> don't change your Twitter handle. It's perfect. It's perfect. Uh, next up is a comment from at NarcoticCasser1. So that's Narcotic, C-A-S-S-E-R, and then the number one. And they say, you can definitely tell Williamson didn't write that, yet as a satire of trilogy enders, it's apt that it ends in a shaky fashion. It may not be the scariest, but damn it, it's entertaining. It's hilarious, and the character arc actually feel complete by the end. Parker Posey for the win. And then they also go on just to, you know, ask us once again to talk about the killer and how they represent the hollow nature of the privilege, where they're never satisfied in lieu of how much they have and how they feel no guilt in taking from others for their own satisfaction. I love that there's so much love for Parker Posey. Like... Yes, it's amazing. Oh, oh, everybody loves Parker Posey in this movie. Yeah. Even if you hate Scream 3, you love Parker Posey. Because she's film. amazing. <laughs> but no, I agree. I do think that this is a really good ender for the Scream franchise. I think for how dark and everything like that, being able to end on this lighter note, this more comedic note, and all that kind of stuff is awesome. And I think, you know, ending on, like, this fucking privileged dude who, like, has a career in Hollywood, has his own life, and, like, wants the one thing that, like, he potentially didn't even know he was missing yeah. and decides to start on a murderous rampage. Uh, Mom shuts the door in his face, so he decides to just fucking kill her. I, it works on so many levels because, you know, uh, Narcotic Caster 1's also a filmmaker. And, you know, I, I think I think we can all sort of look at this, like, any of us that have wanted any part to do with the film industry uh, can look at this and be like, um fuck you roman yeah. like, like you have fucking everything we ever wanted and because mommy didn't love you you're gonna throw it all away you know nope. so like so he's definitely a little uh privilege in that sense and then you know this also ties into like again the whole idea of hollywood which is you know this concept where like you do, or this idea where you do have all these people that you know are never satisfied and mm -hmm. they they take and take and take uh without giving anything back in return and you know, there's really no there, there. There's a lack of morality, yeah. right, uh, in the industry. And I mean, I could go on all day, but then I would get sued. Um, so, <laughs> but no, I mean, you would not believe the privilege that exists in the industry. It's everywhere. It's gross. A every I, I cannot I cannot tell you. A and this is a little bit you know disconnected from what uh, Narcotic Gaster once saying, but it's like I cannot tell you how many times I've been over or I've been passed over. Uh, for jobs because the other candidate like you know their their parents are best friends with the producer or some shit like that like yep. there there are kids like roman everywhere <laughs> in the industry you know and so it's it's really not an exaggeration like the murder part maybe mm -hmm. maybe uh, maybe <laughs> i'm not i'm not putting it past anyone in hollywood but um but but it's really pretty accurate, I think, to how a lot of people are at the top, you know? Yeah. They, they got there through family and privilege, and they act like it. <laughs> There's a reason I got out of the industry, and now I'm in comics with a different level of privilege. Oh, it's a whole, yeah, it's a yeah, whole different. Yeah, comic fans are, are freaks. That's I say whole, that lovingly. That's as a whole different friend. thing. Um, but anyway, so that, thank you at NarcoticCaster1 for the comment. Appreciate it. And then the last comment is from at Shannon Morant. So that's S-H-A-N-N-O-N. M-O-R-A-N-T. And they say, I don't care what anyone says. This was a great sequel. 
and they have two questions for us. Did you like the Hollywood setting and the cliches about trilogies in the movie? And did you like the way they brought Randy back? Because this is something he would do making a videotape. Clearly, I very much like like this one. I love the Hollywood setting. Having said that, I would really like to get a horror film that's completely just slasher set in Hollywood. I'm sure Matt will be like, there's like five different ones that I don't know about. I, um, there are there are a lot of great movies set in Hollywood. Of course there are. <laughs> um, but no, I think that it's perfect that Scream technically, like, ideally was supposed to end on a set in Hollywood. I think all of that is perfect. And yes, I think this is exactly how Randy would have wanted meta it. Meta on meta on meta. Exactly. And look, Randy coming back in the videotape, it's the perfect way to bring him back. Is it, though? Yes, it is. <laughs> Look, would you rather have him be there in flesh and blood? I'd rather have not be there at all. The re- we killed Randy off in Scream 2 for a reason, goddammit. <laughs> Scream has to have somebody explaining the rules. They they unfortunately locked themselves into having, needing that. And that's why they killed Randy off, so that they didn't need Randy to do that shit every fucking movie. Well, clearly <laughs> it didn't work, because we get it in Scream 3, 4, and 5. We do, but it's not from Randy every fucking time. So, so look, okay, my, my answer to James's question is... <laughs> Yeah, I love the Hollywood setting. I, I'm a big nerd, and I, I love it when films are set in Hollywood. Horror movies in Hollywood especially are some of my favorites. I love horror movies set in theaters. I love horror movies set on film sets. I love horror movies set in Hollywood. It's just, I love it. I love this stuff. You know, it's... <laughs> I'm give, a, give Matt I'm, Neon and a, whore, and, a, and a film set, and he's happy. For real. No, for yep. real. I fucking love it. Even, even Urban Legend Part 2, I fucking <gasps> love that movie. Be, or not... Which yeah. you've never shown me. And I should, because yes. it's set because it's set in a college of filmmakers, and I love that so many of it takes place on sets. Uh, <laughs> it, look, the, yeah, no, it's a great setting. You can, you can do whatever the hell you want with these Hollywood sets. It's great. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I'm really drunk at this point. Uh, the cliches about trilogies, I think Randy's a little bit off uh with what trilogies are typically about you know i i i agree with him that there is kind of that whole past element but that doesn't always come into play you know so like i i don't know the trill the trill see this is why randy died because it, it got to the point where they were forcing these things and trying to like really try to force some of this stuff and frankly it only really worked with part one and two so <laughs> so i don't i don't love the videotape i thought it was kind of corny I, 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 I thought it was kind of corny. I thought that Randy Rude. making this was pretty corny. You know, it, it's something that he would do. I agree with James on that. But I just, I'm not a fan of the videotape. It's a nice touching little moment in the movie. Um, but I think it further exaggerates why Randy just had to be killed off. So <laughs> uh, you're all going to hate me for that. But I'm very sad now. <laughs> um, as you should be. Uh, but so anyway, so, that, so thank you at Shannon Moran for the comment. Really appreciate it. Uh, so that's going to do it for us on Scream 3. So hopefully uh, we sold you a little bit more on this movie. If you're a person that hated it, maybe you'll find more to like about it. I don't know. I'm not sure that we accomplished anything. But uh, <laughs> but but hopefully you just had uh, a good time kind of listening to our thoughts on that. But uh, So next, we- next week is going to be wrapping up our conversation on the Scream franchise with Scream 4, of course. Yay! Uh, this is another one that I do not believe is streaming, but it is well worth the rental. I think it has one of the best finales in the franchise um so definitely check it out if you can and do your homework there but otherwise thank you for joining us on talking about screen three so i'm matt and i'm chris and have a great night horror fans hope it's a stream <laughs> bye i 
hope you've enjoyed tonight's episode of Killer Horror Critic. If you'd like to scream with us some more, please subscribe on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Killer From Space, as well as Instagram at Killer underscore Horror underscore Critic. New episodes release every Friday, so keep your eyeballs peeled just the way I like them. Have a good night, horror fans. <laughs>